0: I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast.
1: Rochester, well, why Rochester?
0: Chris Lindstrom was a hoot. He was just so much fun. He
2: never stopped talking. (laughs) I mean, it was great. R.T. Down? Yes! Take it from me, an inveterate
3: snob. (laughs) That's it. Stinks, it stinks, it stinks we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere
0: because i'm a pro that's what pros do i'm a professional look it up in the book
3: what do you say enough but now yeah i'm thinking i'm back
0: and we are back with another episode of the food about town podcast and we're doing something a little bit different today uh my good friend george Catallo floor manager from Parkway Discount Wine and Liquor in phenomenal Greece, New York, 4424 Dewey Avenue, reached out to me to uh, talk about some interesting news in New York State. George, say hi to the people. Hey, everybody. Uh-oh. Wait a second. Turns out I'm not a professional. Don't look it up in the book. George, now say hi. Can you hear me now? Oh, look at that. All now right. we're in business. Hey, everybody. Uh, and uh, George uh, reached out to me to talk about uh, a new... Uh, thing that's going around in New York State right now about uh, the sale of wine in grocery stores and a whole bill situation that's going on, but we're going to get into that in a second after we introduce the other people in the studio. Uh, Matt Yeager, owner of Pinnacle Wine and Liquor, 1720 Monroe Avenue, one of the finest stores in Rochester.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: And Colleen Hardy, co-owner of Living Roots, Rochester, right in the heart of University Ave, 1255 University Ave. hello. Hello. Oh, well, thanks, everybody, for coming over today. Um, So I'm going to kind of moderate most of the discussion today, a little bit different than we usually do. So I'm actually going to pass it over to George to do the intro uh, and tell us about what's going on right now in New York State with this new bill situation.
2: So right now there is a push by uh, some lobby groups as well as some, I'll not say names for now, uh, grocery tycoons looking for... Uh, wine to be sold in grocery stores
0: as it is not currently. So uh, I think that's a good good place to start is where are we right now with the legal sale of alcohol in New York State? So um, I think everybody who shops in New York State understands you can buy beer just about anywhere. You can buy it at a corner store, you can buy it at a grocery store, and you can buy it many other places. While wine and spirits at this point are completely isolated to wineries, other producers, and uh, in uh, liquor stores around New York State. Uh, Am I understanding that correctly for where we are right now? Yes. Okay. So, and now this new proposal would push towards, and so I'm quoting from another article. I'm going to do a few quotes here and there, but from what it seems like is the proposal would allow for full-service grocery stores to sell wine, not spirits, uh, but that seems like what the uh, push of the bill is at this point, correct? Correct.
1: Correct. So as of right now, the bill is looking to allow grocery stores of 5,000 square feet or more that do 65% or more of their business in grocery sales, the ability to sell wine. So obviously that would, that would include some, some big grocery stores in town and across the state.
0: Okay. So it's focused on full, full size, full service grocery stores.
1: Correct. If, if you look at who this bill is, as it's written now actually applies to it's a very limited few we're talking Wegmans, whole foods, Costco, Trader Joe's yeah. basically that size of
0: store and let's say uh, in uh, if uh, i'm trying to think of other local stores let's say Hegedorn's was still open in Webster they probably would have qualified right
1: i believe so if if they're if they're if they meet the space requirements.
0: Yeah, it's like a full-size grocery store, but it doesn't have to be like the giantest of all Wegmans or Costco's that tear up the land and do all the things with that. Um, so that's the situation. And um, kind of what I wanted to start the conversation is, where orig- what was the first thing that you all thought when, you heard about this being brought up again. This isn't the first time this has come up, by the way. This has been going on for at least a decade in New York State. Um, I saw articles all the way back to 2011 or so where this kept on coming up. Uh, what was your first thoughts when you saw this come up?
2: Well, my first thought was, well, here we are again.
0: Yeah, it seems like that is the case with New York State.
1: Yep, this is this is not new news. This happens every 10, 15 years, and I think a lot of independent retailers out there were were waiting for it. We were just, we knew it was coming. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. go I, ahead.
3: Well, I, when this came up in the past, I don't think I was in the wine industry at that point or even living in New York. So I think it was a definitely less on my radar. And to be honest, before I was in the industry, I would, you know, go to other states where you could buy wine in grocery stores or whatever and think, huh, yeah, our law's are maybe a little bit funny, like it's very specific where you can and can't buy certain products, and so I could see, on surface level, it being very tempting. You know, sure that would be convenient, but the more the more that I've learned about it, and certainly you know being in the industry and knowing more of the repercussions that it would have, um, you start realizing that that what it's being proposed as and the realities of it are are quite different.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great place to start is, um, you know, Colleen, you mentioned that a lot of other states, and I think I read that it was 40 states right now currently have the sale of wine in grocery stores. Many have spirits available in grocery stores as well, uh, as well as big box stores like Targets and Walmarts and things like that. Um, So I think that's the first part is, so we have 40 other states that are like this. Why, why at this point should we – well, what's the thought about not doing that here in New York State while 80% of the country already has this? So
2: one small facet of it is a lot of these states, that's the established way it's been for since Prohibition. Uh, we would be pulling the rug out of a very uh, – I don't want to say fragile, but well-balanced you know, balanced industry the way it is now, the way it was built since, well, Prohibition.
0: Okay. Well, that that makes sense. I mean, from your perspective, Matt, anything different than that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the system we have right now where the system is that there's one store, one license, no chains. So we have this independent marketplace where we can buy and sell wine from an array of distributors, importers, local wineries, thanks to the, the New York Farm Winery Act. And what we have in New York, quite frankly, is the best selection of wine in the United States. It is it without a doubt. And what we're most concerned about as wine lovers in this room is the, the access to great wine for the consumer, because we don't really need a a crystal ball to figure out the way that grocery chains would handle the sale of wine. We can, we can look at other grocery chains, including Wegmans in other States and, and really see what happens to, to, choice and and quality access to wine. And when I say that, I mean wine that is transparent, properly farmed, and and not what we'd call bulk commoditized innocuous juice, which anyone that works in the wine business, that's our greatest fear, is walking in and, and that's all that we see on the shelves. As as independent merchants and, and winery owners, there's nothing nothing quite like walking into an independently owned wine shop and, and seeing the selection. And frankly, getting to enjoy the the taste of the buyer and the personality, it really comes through. So that's really what we're most afraid of in this.
0: Yeah, and that that makes complete sense. Um, I think the other side of that, which is uh, something really interesting for Colleen's opinion on, is so we're we're the assumption grocery stores are going to be big distributors because they want to be uniform over all their different stores, same selection, so you never get anything different, which Great for uh, logistics, bad for deliciousness. Um, but the question is for for producers, do we think this is going to isolate smaller New York State producers specifically that don't have access to larger distributors? Because for me, that's, you know, I, I cut my teeth on learning on Finger Lakes wines, and the vast, vast, vast majority of Finger Lakes producers are very small we think they're large for here and they're very small in the scope of larger distributors. But uh, from a uh, living roots perspective, how do you think that would work?
3: Yeah, that definitely worries me. Um, you know, I think hearing wine in grocery, you think, okay, well, maybe maybe a bit more wine would move if people are in the store and they want to grab something to drink with dinner, but the the winners aren't going to be small you know, sustainable wineries. It's going to be big national, international brands who can play on that scale and at a very low price point. And for us, you know, we self-distribute in New York. Um, So, you know, we have people employed who are out working with, you know, buyers like Matt and like George. And I, you know, they're working with, probably over a hundred different small distributors, wineries. It's a lot of contact and effort that they're putting in to have a wide variety and to support these smaller companies. Um, and I think, you know, the fear is that a more corporate structure might not be able to support that. And also that we wouldn't have the supply, even if they were willing to work with us, um, you know, if, if they want a multi-store deal, our volumes are quite small and we can't guarantee that they will be in stock all year round. Um, and that's part of, you know, wine is a limited resource we have harvest once a year and what we make is what we make. And, you know, the benefit of working with small small independent stores is that if they're excited about what we're doing, they're a lot more flexible. So if we run out of one wine, they're pretty open to bringing in something else to fill that spot um and especially in tough years like this you know we've just had this massive frost in the finger lakes and there will be some you know supply chain issues for finger lakes wineries you know some years we have drought some years we have winter damage this year it was frost and when there's those gaps in the supply chain i think the fear is in a more corporate structure once those you know spots are filled on the shelf it can take a long time to change them, and so you know if we're out of a wine as listings are being made, or maybe we have a listing and we lose it because we sell out, we're probably not going to get another chance at that for a long time, um, and that's just you know the reality of it. I also you know I don't know how much space would be allocated within a grocery store. I mean we definitely sell to some bigger wine shops in the state, and they support us really well. I mean we have we have quite a few SKUs. Um, at some of these wine shops, but if that's translated into a grocery store, you know, there's only so much space to go around, and knowing, you know, what grocery stores look like in other states, I'm just not sure that there would be much allegated to small small premium producers.
0: Yeah, and that that was my first, you know, concern, so uh, to be perfectly transparent, uh, I've seen some of the news on this, and I did some reading today, so I'm, I'm bringing up some of the things I read because I'm interested in everybody's opinion on this stuff. Um, but that was my first blush is I care about the producers and I want to be able to access what keeps them in business.
2: That's right. And a big part of it is a lot of these producers, like was mentioned, are too small or can't make enough wine. And then in years like this, where some wineries may not have wine at all with the frost that happened, there's just nowhere for there to... For them to fit in on, you know, a grocery store shelf where they're talking about thousands of case product, you know, not even production—that's the wrong—but uh, thousands of case purchases by the chain, when a winery maybe only makes a few hundred cases if they're lucky of a wine.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring up one of the one of the counterpoints. Uh, so this is from the uh, perfectly perfectly reputable New York Post. Uh, we've never had any issues with that publication at all ever and zero times Read um, it all the time. Love it. Love it. <laughs> great rag. Great rag. Um, so uh, in their article, they mentioned that the bill has incentives to sell New York state wines in grocery stores uh, mentioned in another article from the citizen uh, that, that has lower license fees for the stores to carry New York state wines and that they would have, you know, space for those. And my my question is so they're talking about lower fees bringing in New York State wines to grocery stores um, how does that how does that grab each of you because it's it's a in theory a very positive statement in theory that does
2: sound very positive, but going back to what we've already discussed, uh, size of production isn't there for most New York State wineries. Uh, I'm not going to name names of the larger wineries because I do like them and I don't want the any um, thoughts that this is a negative, but there's only a very small handful of wineries in New York State that could meet the production needed for grocery stores. And those are wines from New York that are the only wines from New York you see in a lot of these other states that have wine and grocery. And they deserve that success. i not taking anything away from them on that. They met some of them, paved the way for all the other wineries in this state, but they are the only ones who could meet the demand, period.
1: And this brings up another point that we we've talked about in these discussions, which is the the concept of price point for a bottle of wine. And something that we know to be the the case is that grocery chains always seek to depress prices. And in the case of wine, especially wine from a cool climate, from grapes that have to be hand harvested uh, and made in small quantities, it's really hard to put out a bottle of wine for, 12.99, 13.99 retail, retail. And we've done such a great job in the industry from the producer side to wine shops to wine education of teaching people about about the real cost of wine and I have seen and I'm sure George has as well such such great reception to 20, 25, 30 dollar bottles of wine because Number one, you can taste the difference. And number two, it helps support your your neighbors. It helps them pay a livable wage to their workers. And that's not in the interest of the the grocery chain. They they want to hit price points and they, they do not have any interest in selling twenty-five, thirty-five dollar bottles of wine.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I mean that I think that ties directly to like, yeah, you know, what is how does Living Roots you know, what's what's the price points that the wines are at right now and how does the tasting room experience um, and working with small stores like this differ from you know the larger model.
3: Yeah, I mean, our price points are definitely on the higher end for this area. So our our least expensive bottle of wine is twenty dollars. And currently our most expensive is 40. And I would say average is like between 24 and thirty four is like the bulk majority of our range. Um, so they're not they're not crazy expensive, but they're also not cheap. Um, but you know, we are buying from small f- fruit from small farmers. We, including both of our families, we are, you know, trying to pay a livable wage. We have very, you know, hands-on attention to detail in the winery. And frankly, you know, we've been making wine now since 2016 and we're not profitable yet, even at those, those price points. Yeah. Um, so we're still reliant on a local bank for lots of loans and you know what I mean so so for us you know we're still trying to kind of get to the light at the end of the tunnel um and so we do rely on you know stores who appreciate the work that we're doing the wines that we're making and see that they are worth the price point they are still good value um when you look at the quality you're getting in the bottle and but it does take, you know, some hand sells depending on the wine. And so having people at stores like Pinnacle or Parkway. Um, or and, our
0: friends over at Baytown as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, you know, people, we have a, so many stores locally. And honestly, you know, I know Elephant in the Room, Wegmans, but Century is a great, great customer of ours. They do an amazing job and they have a great team who love wine. They're dedicated to wine education um, and they sell a lot of our wine. I just don't know what that looks like when it moves into a grocery store aisle. And I don't know what that wine team looks like either. So obviously there's just some unknowns there, but, but for us, I think, you know, we do rely on, on the local companies who are passionate about local wineries and will give us the attention on the shelf and, you know, vocally with customers um, to really make a difference.
0: Well, and and I think that's really, when I appreciate the honesty and the discussion about, you know, a startup business, right? With all the infrastructure and the expansion that you've done and, you know, harvesting in um, multiple continents.
3: Yeah, it's not cheap.
0: (laughs) Year-over-year, so uh, for those that may or may not know, Living Roots also harvests in uh, Australia every year,
3: correct? Yep, yep, exactly, So so where my husband's from.
0: Yeah, so harvesting there and, you know, bringing that stuff here. It's a truly unique experience. And speaking of unique, I mean, we're drinking a new Petnat that you're offering. Yeah, um, yep. Can you describe Free that real release. quick? release. It's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's just super, like, juicy, fresh. So natural sparkling wine um, from the Finger Lakes. So it's a rosé, kind of a darker color of rosé. Um, and it's a blend of Blaufrankisch and Zweigelt. And it's just... I, I'm really excited to release it. Um, hopefully, yeah, next week we're getting labels on it. So then it'll hit the shelves. But it's, you know, to me, this is a really delicious, fun, especially going into summer bubbly. Wow. And, you know, again, back to price points, this one is $26. So not unreasonable no. by any means. Um, but also, you know, it's not going to match a, a Prosecco that is available nationwide. So.
0: Right. But if you're you're doing a picnic outside and you want something that's made locally, that's supporting a neighborhood you know. Made that,
3: naturally like this. Yeah. For me, this takes all the boxes. I love it.
0: Yeah. And that, that's the kind of stuff that gets gets me excited to go visit stores and buy wine. And if I want an experience, that's the kind of thing I want. This is uh, that's all finger wakes. Right. Yep. So that's this is finger wakes, you know, natural. This is all our local uh, flora and everything mm-hmm. in a bottle. And you chill this and you have it in a picnic with charcuterie or wherever else you're going to be thrilled. So definitely some kind of thing you definitely want to pick up. And, but to me that that's the difference is I can go into a store and talk to, uh, you know, talk to Matt and talk to George or talk to, um, Matt, why am I always forget his last name? The owner at Parkway, Strassman, Strassman, the other Matt Talk to Matt Strassman over at, uh, you know, over there or go into Baytown. And I can ask that question. You know, I can ask Drew over there and say, Hey, I want something in New York State. I want something interesting. And I know they're going to deliver on something that I want. And I tell them my interest and they're going to give me that kind of attention. That makes a big difference for me because I am a nerd and I want something fun. I want something interesting. On that
2: note, have you ever had a question about a beer at Wegmans? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried to ask one?
0: Uh, I look at what's on the shelf and I realize I'm, I probably know enough to get myself into trouble. But you're right. Um, which is why, you know, if I try to, I try to shop at one of the local stores and try to get real opinions, it makes a big difference for me. And it's worth the extra few minutes to drive to somewhere that I, I I respect that they're doing the work. But again, that's my personal, personal preference. I'm trying to, it's a little challenging because that's where I shop and I, that's where I spend my money. And if we're choosing to spend our money at places, we should be supporting things we really believe in.
1: Yeah. I mean that that touches on one of the the amazing benefits of the system we have because in many ways it is archaic. Okay. Only, only these, these select few wine and liquor stores can offer these products. But as a result, we are very knowledgeable. We, we talk with the producers. We, we personally recommend these wines. It's, it's one of the last true shops on main street. And, you know, we haven't even touched about the, on the the loss of jobs across the state, in not only the the wine shop side uh, and and distributor side, but um, even even at the the winery level, um, just all the damage that that follows this. So, well,
0: and when you're talking about the smaller producers, so like you know, Living Roots is how many cases a year now, roughly?
3: We're about three thousand cases total in the Finger Lakes and similar in Australia.
0: Yeah, and that's like. You know, for for the Finger wakes is what what would we call that? Is that mid size now? I don't even know what the sizes are. I don't nowadays. really know
3: either. But I mean, that's also split over like twenty different SKUs. <laughs> so you know, the biggest yeah. batch we've ever done, I think, is like eight hundred cases of one wine. And for, to me, I was like, how are we ever going to sell all this? Like that is so much wine. <laughs> um, so you know, I think we're still we're still pretty small, but certainly not the smallest in
1: the eyes of the wine world. That's tiny.
0: Right, that's it's micro producers compared to, you know, if you're thinking about California wines or some of the larger Oregon producers, um, it's or Washington State.
2: Right. I was uh, someone actually asked me the other night because I I made a Facebook post and it got shared around and someone accidentally reached out to me on Instagram instead of who sent them my post and um, they asked, well, how come, you know, it works in California and there's some things I just pulled up about California has a larger GDP than most countries and they make 85% of the wine in the United States. But uh, looking at the number of wineries per state, California has over 6,000 and at number one, two, three, four, five, New York has as of 2021, 749, which compared to California, not very many, but that's a lot of wineries. And most of those are very small. And a lot of them are here because we mentioned earlier the farm, Winery laws are, we have some of the best laws in the nation for alcohol production, be it wine, beer, cider, spirits, all of it. And that's why we have the second most distilleries in the nation, only maybe 10 behind California, which, again, much larger. So there's a lot of very small independent businesses in this state that are kind of held up by the system. And if we do see uh, wine and grocery, uh, something we haven't mentioned yet is Wine has about twice the profit margin of spirits. That's how you know. That's how our ki- how our kids go to school. We yeah. have extra curriculars. We put food on our table. It's wine. You know, the roof over our head is from wine. Spirits definitely help, but when you're making twice as much per dollar on wine, a big hit to that will absolutely decimate probably most of the stores in the state. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's that's a great point because I, I think it's something people aren't aware of. And when we're, you know, being a little more transparent about this stuff and get people aware that almost all the stores that you shop at, uh, minus the exceptions of ones that are located next to large Wegmans grocery stores, that are certainly not affiliated with Wegmans grocery stores um, in any legal way whatsoever. Um, They're consultants. They're consultants. So um, a lot, and actually interesting, I was... One of the things I was reading about is how many of the how many of the smaller stores are located next to grocery stores to, you know, fill the void in the market, which would immediately put a huge percentage of those small stores at risk. They'd be the, you know, first on the chopping block, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not in a Wegman's Plaza, thankfully, but we are right down the road from the Pittsburgh Plaza Wegmans. We're right down the road from Whole Foods. We're not too far from East Ave Wegmans. So, it it this brings up the the real issue is that we estimate. I was looking at some numbers and just thinking to myself, we'd probably lose somewhere around sixty to seventy percent of our foot traffic because of the convenience of wine in the grocery store. And the story I've been telling ad nauseum is. You know, imagine you're pushing your cart down the aisle. Maybe not you, Chris, because you're thoughtful. <laughs> but you know, just the average the average bear. I, I,
0: I'm i I'm not I'm not immune. I I shop at all stores in our area. Yeah. Um mostly when I'm being a garbage person, I'm <laughs> eating way too many snacks.
1: But you know, imagine you're walking down the aisle and you have your cart and yeah. you're grabbing your your bread, your eggs, your milk, and you see a stack of wine on the on the end of the aisle and you say to yourself, you know, I love, I love Matt at Pinnacle. I love George and Matt at Parkway. I love Drew at Baytown, but you know what? This is right here. I'm just going to grab a bottle and yeah. I'll see those guys next week. And you multiply that out by thousands of customers. And before you know it, we're, we're in serious trouble. And, and uh, again, you're just losing just this very vital foot traffic, which to George's point, spirits, they help, but we, we couldn't survive on those alone by no means. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the, that's the troubling thing for, for, you know, someone who wants to shop and do that kind of work. Um, I think what we're going to do is um, I'm going to, I'm going to list out a quote and then we're going to, we're going to take a break. We're going to think about it. And we're going to come back and answer this. Cause this one, this is a big one. So uh, this is from uh, Neil Pascal, which is, uh, he's the owner of one of the largest and uh, largest independent companies. Um, Uh, wine and spirit shops in Syracuse. Uh, I've had the pleasure of shopping there a few times when I was driving out to get my COVID vaccines at the fairgrounds. So that was my treat. Wow. Good times, What a man. throwback! Yes. Right, that
2: feels like that was 15 years ago. Right, we don't we don't want to and talk yesterday. about it anymore.
0: Uh, but here we are. <laughs> so when I was out there, that was my treat. On the way back, I stopped in and visited a local store. Um, so the quote from from Neil of Pascal's Liquors in Liverpool and one of the other ones, also a board member of the New York State Liquor Store Association, it would devastate the small independent stores in favor of big business. I do think that more than half will go out of business. So, leaving it on that ominous note, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination. And we're back with the second half of our conversation about the New York State wine grocery bill that's in, uh, at least in discussions right now. Is it up for a vote yet? Or is that, uh, I actually don't remember where it is. I read about it, but.
1: Not yet. So it was introduced uh, two weeks ago. So the session is going to be ending June 8th. So this will be rolled likely to next year's budget.
0: Okay. But still a good time to talk about it is in the news right now. A lot of places are talking about it. And we left off before the break talking about a quote from Neil Pascal from Pascal's Liquors in Syracuse. Um, And to quote his thing uh, at the end is uh, it's going to devastate the small independent stores in favor of big business. And I do think that more than half will go out of business. Um, That's a, that's a bit of a heavy statement. Um, Does that jibe with how you're seeing it right now?
1: Absolutely. So the, the, Example to talk about and, and the way I explain it to customers who ask me about this is think about the infrastructure that it takes to have a store. And because of the system we're playing in where we don't have chains in New York, we have one store, one license. We all have, can we
0: pause on that for a yeah. second? Cause that, that is an interesting point that uh, I think kind of gets um, kind of gets under discussed. So yep. it is not, so it is single operators, not chains like a total wine for example.
1: Correct. So in in New York state still to this day we we don't allow chains. There are ways around that. There are creative clever ways that I'm sure you're familiar with. Absolutely. But as it stands now it's one store, one license and what any business owner will tell you is that they 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 play to the rules of the game. So in our case we have built out our store, our space our staffing to accommodate for a certain level of business. Obviously COVID times we saw a bump that was for sure. That's, that's since normalized, but we, we do have a, a level of staffing that we have in place. We have rent, we have to pay. And what Neil said there is absolutely true. If, if 50% or more um, stores are suffering here and we can't pay our bills, that's going to lead to some problems. I, I can't tell you in a scenario where we lose 60% of our foot traffic and we're able to keep the same level of staff on board or pay our rent. That that's a scary situation. Now we could downsize, we could lay off folks, we could move to a new location, but we serve our neighborhood and that's, that's the beauty of the New York state system as it is, is that all these stores have cropped up to tailor to the, the taste and the demands in their neighborhood. Now obviously, we have fun, right? yeah, you absolutely. Know, we, we have some fun with it, and we can try to take customers on that that journey, which is to me, and I'm sure with George and Matt, I know that to be the case that's that's the best part about our job is that we get to show people the ropes and take them up the ladder. but I don't see any way that we can pay our bills if we lose over half of our foot traffic
0: well, and I think that's the thing is like in the neighborhood, so, Describe the neighborhood you're in. So you're on you're on Monroe Ave, but that covers a wide range of different areas. How do you describe the neighborhood you're in?
1: Absolutely. So we have a range of college students. We have uh, some some older folks who have been in Brighton, lived in their houses for for decades.
0: And you're closer to the city edge of Brighton we versus are. the Pittsburgh side of yeah, Brighton. So
1: we're right near 12 Corners. And we have an amazing neighborhood, just such a wide range of folks. So that's why if you walk into our shop and you see a three liter bag in box of Franzia next to a hundred dollar bottle of Burgundy, that's kind of why, why that, that setup is the way it is.
3: I, can... I live, I live right down the street from Pinnacle and I can say that I walk in with zero plan and just say, Matt, what have you got new? What should I try? What am I going to love? And uh, I'm never disappointed, so.
0: There's no question I like asking more than, I need this area of things. Tell me what I need. Yeah. It it, it makes me very happy. Um, But I think that is a great point. That is a neighborhood place. Um, So, George, I mean, neighborhood where Parkway is in, completely different neighborhood than the Brighton City edge of Monroe Ave. I would say it is definitely
2: a different neighborhood. However, it has a similar uh, swing of, uh, we'll say... Places in life or incomes, because we have people right on the lake, Edgemere Drive, who will buy those $100 bottles. And we have people, we'll use the bag and box, uh, Franzi as an example, and everything in between. Uh, We have, it's a, Greece has a very large population and a very diverse population. So it's, we've got a little of everything and we have to serve
0: everyone. Yeah. And I think that's part of the other thing is it's, you know, if you're looking for, You know, boutique spirits, which um, everybody looking over at my shelves right now will see that I have shopped at all of our local stores buying that stuff um, or wine stuff. It's you can go in and find something that you're actively interested in. And I love that from, you know, because that's that's how you go into a place. If you trust the people you're talking to, you're just going to have a better time. Absolutely. And those, like, I'm sure in the tasting room, when you the people get to know the people at the tasting room, they're gonna be treated a specific way, and it makes all the difference that personal touch.
3: For sure, yeah, it's an opportunity to try something that you know you might not grab on your own, but with a suggestion from someone who you trust or they you know they know what you like generally. That's it's the beauty of it.
0: Yeah, um, so I think I've got one more point on this, and we're just gonna roll into some other fun stuff. Is um, so. This is another one I want everybody's opinions on. So on a number of the articles, a poll was quoted. Uh, this is uh, from Siena College. This is a Siena College poll showing that 75%, uh, I think it was 76%, of 810 respondents indicated support for grocery stores to, stores to sell wine. Uh, this was on the Citizen CitizenAuburnPub.com uh, Um And it does seem, based on reporting on that, that the poll had questions paid for by Wegmans. And uh, there's also a website that has been started to publicize this, newyorktimeforwine.com. Wegmans has been sending emails to their customers, is posting uh, posters in their entrances to the stores saying, hey, New York, it's finally time for wine, Um, which also has a label Uh, Let me see if I have the label. I think it's something like the independent consumer or uh, thoughtful. I'm going to look that up, but so we're in Rochester. This is, they are the 800 pound gorilla in the room when it comes to grocery stores. Um, And they're paying somebody to add these questions to a survey. I I don't know how to respond to that myself. um, Cause it's, at, at best, and we can say that Wegmans definitely does um, advocacy through lobbying for many things that they're in interest of, like uh, pausing Whole Foods from opening in Pittsburgh uh, through environmental groups that were started and funding those to do that. And this seems to be another one of those cases, but I don't know, what does everybody else think about that? Well, it
2: definitely has the aromas of... Um Billionaires throwing money into things that uh, everybody else doesn't have the resources to fight, and it does sound like that. But let's pretend those polls are accurate. Let's pretend there was no bias in how it's presented. Let's just say consumers really do—the average consumer really
0: does think, "Yeah, this sounds great." Well, now I do want to pause there. Okay, we'll pause. We'll I know pause. I'm we'll going to pause. pause there because I need to. I need to put an undertone on that. Okay, okay. So New York Time for Wine is brought to you by New Yorkers for consumer choice so just keep that in mind while you're commenting george <laughs> i broke him
2: <laughs> you have the choice to buy crap because that's all you have a choice of that's what that sounds like no <laughs> oh, but that, uh, that is a fantastic lawyered up name i like that a lot very pr spun um they paid a lot of money for someone to come up with that. Absolutely.
0: Um, it's a really nice logo, too.
2: I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, but it just, it's uh, not surprising at all that uh, the people who would benefit most from this are throwing a significant amount of money towards uh, spinning things and lobbying for things. And it's uh, a little disheartening that um, it's not a fair playing field for the people it would affect most to have a voice in this. We, you know... I don't have the money to have, have Sienna uh, add some questions for me.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we're we're talking on a you know small local podcast, and I'm sure you know any number of us will get the opportunity to talk on you know radio shows and do other things like that. But that's our reach. Um, while you know every person walking through a store uh, and getting on the email list will probably see this in the in the upcoming future.
1: Absolutely. Um, this this, uh, this is so problematic because I will say, in my experience talking to my neighbors, my friends, customers at the store, I've, I've honestly asked them if this sounds like a good idea. And I say, I want your honest answer. I really want to know. And the majority of people I talk to do not think it's a great idea. And so I think what, what Wegmans is going to have happen is that they will have... A bunch of folks send this form template, this email, to their legislators, and that'll be it. Whereas I've had, personally, dozens, I mean, several dozen customers call, send letters, and really, really get activated and heated up. And ourselves, I mean, myself and Colleen this morning, we just, we had a great meeting with uh, our, our local assembly member, Sarah Clark. And she was lovely and so in support. And the same with Senator Samra Brooks office earlier in the week. So, so far, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm stressed beyond belief. Like I am yeah. I'm not sleeping. I'm, this is my livelihood and, and it's my passion in life. So I'm really worried about it. But um, I'm, I'm really optimistic. And to counter that, we I actually, last week, went out and I bought the domain name, com. Love it. And we're going to start a coalition of not only wine shops, but wineries, distributors, importers, trucking companies, all the people that depend on this business for their livelihood. And, you know, I don't know how to do it, but, you know, I have a great network. We we know a lot of people, and we're going to start getting the word out there and, and let let our lawmakers know that this is not something that the people really want. And, and we want to support our New York state wineries and, and keep, keep this progress going that we've made so far.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, like I can talk about taste, we can talk about the passion, we can talk about the other things, but in the end, the group of people who are employed and are paying taxes in this state and that are spending and making the money, at the, all these small businesses, and we want to say we support small businesses, this is the support for small businesses in our state, not outside. This is New York wineries being affected, New York producers, New York stores. Uh, so I, I love that, and uh, we'll definitely uh, send that out after to everybody. Um, so, uh, Colleen, welcome to uh, comment on the poll, or choose not to if you prefer <laughs>
3: No, I, yeah, I think you guys have hit a lot of points and, you know, it's, it's a complicated topic. I think, again, you know, on surface level, sure, if you picture picking up a century and putting it in a Wegmans store, great, that, you know, that, I see the allure of that and I think that's what a lot of people picture in this scenario, but that's not the reality of it. It's probably an aisle, two aisles, and it's going to be barefoot and it's going to be Yellowtail and it's going to be a handful of California, you know, really big producers, a handful of Chilean big producers. It's it's not going to be the boutique wines that I go in looking for in a wine shop that are tailored and curated and, you know, new things every time I walk in. I just, I think, I think the allure of it is the convenience, but the the costs are so much greater than that selfishly for consumers you know myself as a wine consumer I think my my choice and my access to great wine would be limited but more importantly it is it is the small businesses you know if if Pinnacle goes out of business, if Aldou Keller goes out of business, if all of these beautiful wine shops that we have in New York go away um, I, I mean that's just terrible to think about you think about you know we don't really have independent butchers anymore not really you don't really see, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of small, small shops that have, have closed and, you know, everything's been consolidated into these one-stop shops, but you know, what are we losing as a community when we do that?
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when you're, when you're going to the people who can't help, but do the things that they do, you know, and uh, you know, shout out to Elda Keller and, uh, you know, like uh, what Kevin McCann did for years over at McCann's was something truly special. And it was, there was a moment where, you know, we had a national level butcher shop in our city and it was, it was truly special. And we have a few of those people here in town that are small and independent. And it's, you know, uh, from Happy Earth Tea to Flower City Bread to all these places making truly exceptional products. And that goes to our wineries as well. And we have world-class stuff that needs to be highlighted. And, um, where I'll leave it before we switch on to more fun topics is, um, we are, we have a rich, rich, um, amount of producers and quality products in our area from living roots to so many amazing places. Um, every place in Rochester should be highlighting Finger Lakes wines on their menus. We should all be pushing for this to put on my Michael Warren Thomas hat, um, if we see lists that don't have Finger Lakes Wines on them, we should be asking for them. We should be pushing for this. Yes, 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 yes. Every store you go into that you're trying to buy wine, buy Finger Lakes when you have the opportunity. Support our local wineries because this is how we all vote with our dollars and try to make a bit of a difference because we should all be a bit disappointed with what we have now still, and we need to fight what we still have left. I definitely agree with that. Not to
2: pile on the doom and gloom before we move on to more fun things, but. <laughs> oh,
0: thanks, George. Yeah.
2: Um, circling back to uh, Living Roots still being heavily financed and relying on financing. That's the case for a lot of wineries in this state. Cash flow positive is not a thing that happens every year, especially years like this where some wineries won't have wine. As if wine ends up in grocery stores and we'll use the I think conservative estimate that half the liquor stores and wine shops close. We start seeing wineries shut their doors forever. We start seeing the importers and distributors who service the area losing most of their customers, if not all of them. And they start to stop doing business within the state. We start seeing fewer options for wines for the places staying open. And as wine and liquor stores shrink, it bleeds into the distilling industry as well. Like I said earlier, we have the second most distilleries in the nation. Where are they going to sell their products if they don't have anywhere to sell it? And they definitely don't have the production to make it into grocery stores either. We're talking about full industrial collapse in this state if this happens. And I know that sounds a little overly dramatic, and people may not be as familiar with the industry, might think that's, you know, trying to. Uh, overstate it for sympathy. It's unfortunately a very um, unemotional, factual way of looking at it, and it it does hurt to admit that that's the reality we face. But it really is. Yeah. And uh, convenience is great, and uh, I'm all for you know the one-stop shop does sound alluring, but not at the cost it would be.
0: Yeah. Well. I don't know. I think that wraps it up unless anybody else has something specific about that. But uh, I think, yeah, go go support your local store that you love. Uh, support our boutique stores like uh, Parkway and Pinnacle and Baytown and amazing stores like that. So um, And go visit Levering Roots in person. But what I want to pivot on to is um, let's talk about uh, we're edging into summer right now. Um, we got a little bit of time left, but let's talk about what you're excited about right now when it comes to wine or spirits or stuff that you're currently, you know, pushing to your consumers. So we we had the pet gnat today from Living Roots. Um, what else is, you know, exciting you right now in the uh in the winery or in the tasting room?
3: Yeah, so um well, so last week we had this devastating frost, not an exciting thing by any means. Um However, I was at the vineyard yesterday and I saw a few more specks of green than I did than I thought there might be after fry after seeing it Friday um, so I am a little bit more optimistic you know our crop is going to be severely severely reduced but I thought it was I thought we would get no crop or next to no crop and I think we will get a little bit. Um, so that's exciting. I'm yeah. happy about that. Um, and we're opening our new winery and tasting room this summer. So that is keeping me super busy right now. Um, our whole team just trying to get that up and running and, you know, planning all the things that go into, you know, a new opening. But we're, we're getting closer and I can't wait to have people visiting us on Cuca Lake. You know, our business model has been certainly um, atypical with the two different hemispheres and, the urban winery and all these different things. And I think, you know, it took a long time for us to establish the fact that we're not a wine bar. We actually make every single wine that we're serving. And so I think, you know, having this new winery in the Finger Lakes on my family's vineyard will kind of help solidify that, that message that, you know, we are a winery, we're hands on making these wines ourselves. And I, I, I can't wait to share them in a new setting um, and just a new sort of experience for for our guests
0: absolutely super exciting so where where is it located again so people can uh, head out there when they see yeah. the news that it's open
3: yeah so it's on kuka lake on the east side near hammondsport so it's 8560 county road 87 um google maps gets a little weird so i would just type in living finger lakes and follow that um we're opening actually this weekend for our pop-up tent that we've done the last three years it started as a covid pivot um, so, yes, when the alcohol industry boomed during COVID, I, that did not uh, help small new producers that weren't, you know, in wide distribution or household names or, you know, very recognizable brands. It was, it was a really hard time to get new customers. Um, and so, especially with the tasting room closed and not having any outdoor space at that time in Rochester, we've since added a small patio. But anyways, during COVID, we put up a tent on my family's vineyard um, near Kuga Lake, near Hammondsport and did outdoor tastings. And we've done it every summer since. So we're opening that starting this weekend, um, Fridays through Sundays, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And this weekend will also be open Monday for Memorial Day. And then we'll basically just have the pop-up open until we can open the doors of the building, which we're hoping will be sometime in late July. So, um, you know, our hope is that we can hire and train people and start to get a little bit of summer revenue um, until the building is is ready to go,
0: that's awesome. No, it's it's super exciting, and I, I love to see, uh, love to see a new place opening up. And uh, another great place to visit on Kewka Lake when you're doing a whole run of side of lakes. I think it's the best way to experience kind of the Finger Lakes is pick a side of a lake, yeah, and just go down and visit places and try places you haven't visited before.
3: Totally, we've got some great wineries right near us, like you know, ten ten minutes one way, and you can get to. Vice and Duane Lesur ravines and then 10 minutes the other way you can get to Cuca Lake vineyards Dr. Frank's is only a few minutes further than that we've we've got a really you know I love where we're at and I I honestly think we have one of if not the best view in the Finger Lakes from our new tasting room um so I just I can't wait for people to see it
0: so cool very exciting um So Matt, uh, what about you at the shop? What are, what are you fascinated about right now that you've been telling your, uh, neighborhood consumers
1: about? So for me, it's chillable reds. Okay. So, you know, we've seen in the last couple of years, just such a a pivot from big, overly extracted, high alcohol, red wines towards a lot more fresh, higher acidity, a little bit more mineral driven, high toned reds. Um even from the Finger Lakes, too, and a lot of them from the Finger Lakes. So what I'm super excited about, and we're seeing them from uh, every producer, I would say, is um, a lot of red blends, a lot of use of Austrian varieties like Blatt-Frankish, um, you know, Cabernet Franc, as we know, is is amazing at this. And, you know, a little bit less less uh, of the barrel influence and a little bit more emphasis on the terroir and, and being transparent. So... I, I kid you not. We've got, you know, forty-five-year-old housewives who are taking bottles of Finger Lakes red wine, popping them in the fridge and and pouring them. So um I'm super excited about that because I think it it just shows that 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 next step for for the, the wine drinker.
0: Yeah, and it's not just isolated to the hard natural world where, you know, some of these trends kind of started with the, you know, crushable porch natural wines that were meant to be chilled because it, you know, toned down some of the other things. Um and it's not just that. It's you know what? Cold red wine can be really delicious when it's the right wine for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If um if you've ever had Scout Vineyards, they they do a Petite Syrah that totally defies expectations of what Petite Sirah is usually well, and especially
0: um, here in the Finger Wakes, very
1: sparsely grown. Absolutely, and they call it durif, which is the other name for it, which was probably a, a wise move. But very
3: Aussie of them, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and uh, so that's been a, a, a huge shocker um, to folks, just to to have that that peppery, savory aspect alongside this fresh fruit. And uh, so I'm I'm very proud. I'm, I'm like very happy to see just just the evolution that the that the New York State wine drinker is is on right now.
0: Well, and I think it's also like it's a great opportunity to talk about like wine should be fun too. Like we can we can sit here. I'm I'm an analytical taster, as George knows. <laughs> uh, I I go into a lot of detail. I I taste specifically, and I love the process of tasting through things. Uh, George and I have done any number of uh, episodes of In Good Spirits talking about things and tasting through stuff, um, and I love that. But you know what? it should also be fun. Like wine should be fun. It can't just be serious. And even after all these years, we're finally starting, I think finally starting to turn that corner where wine is more fun than it has been. Cause it got too serious and too haughty and you know, it wasn't fun anymore. It was too, it was too, too much money, too much everything.
1: Definitely. I, I, I see so many young customers who treat it as a fun outlet, as a way of life and that's the way that Europeans treat it. If you if you go visit wineries in France and you you meet and talk with these families, this is the way it is. It's not meant to be something that's overly analyzed or 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 thought about. Um, I, I do think there there still still are the score chasers, but we don't see as many of them. And frankly, scores are kind of boring, anyways, because you know one man's ninety three could be another one's eighty nine, and thankfully we're we're getting through that and. I'm just really happy to see that.
0: Well, and I think that's not to tie it back to our serious discussion, but that's, it's a huge difference. If all you see are scores, that's the way your mind's going to be twisted to. And if you're listening to one publication that loves, you know, the biggest Oak and the ripest fruit, um, and having a whole phenomenon named after, after their scores, um, (laughs) And speaking of parkerization of wine in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and hell, even till today, um, you have somebody who can tell you, hey, this is what I like. I like light. I like fun. And they can push you into something that's going to give you the best experience you can have, which makes all the difference when it comes to that. Um, George, what's going on with you? Wine, spirits, what? what's exciting you right now? First, of all, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually want to build on
2: that last point right there. Uh, I think that... Watching people evolve from... There's two different categories of, uh, we'll say, people consuming wine. To me, there's people who drink wine and wine drinkers. Yeah, And there are two very different things. And watching people grow from people who drink wine into wine drinkers is amazing, and I love it. It's one of my favorite aspects of what we do. Uh, but beyond that, too, there's also... I lost my thought and I'm going to talk in a circle <laughs> until I get it back because that's what you do. You don't oh, don't no. have a long pause you, there. You never <laughs>
0: stop. There's never dead air in podcasting. No, of course this not. This is that's professional the podcasting, George.
2: <laughs> and you've made me laugh and it's completely gone. Yeah. No, but um, watching the evolution of consumer as well as uh, not to use this, uh, this phrase gets memed to death, but the demystification of wine yeah, um, for but, sure. But in really, though, the bringing, making it more casual, more accessible, more, uh, we'll say, human in a way. Uh, the thing I like to remind people to get a little too serious is the people who made this are wearing steel-toe boots, jeans, a t-shirt, and have their dog in the vineyard with them. They're not, you know, they're just regular people. Calm down and enjoy it and just have fun. It's, it's meant to be fun and enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it's it's a great way to think about all this stuff. You know, whether it be uh, whether it be uh, coffee, beer, wine, spirits, we can be waiting in lines, we can be chasing the most expensive things, we can be tasting the rarest uh, the rarest vintages from sellers all over the world, and you can spend all that time um, doing all that work, but you can also and probably should be spending more time. Finding what you really enjoy instead of just the chase, and really diving into it and having a great time with friends and family and experiencing the greatness around you.
1: Wait, is this a PSA for Bourbon Bros? <laughs> I was just having that same thought. Oh, oh my, my god.
0: god! So I think every time George and I get together, we 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 talk about. Oh, I think it, I think it's it's something that has many people fallen into.
3: Beanie Babies. <laughs> yeah. What?
0: Okay, so <laughs>
3: fill me in, guys.
0: All right, so 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 we're we're gonna we're gonna end off on this because I find this topic fascinating. Um, we we've talked about you know the the excitement of enjoying wine, you know the the crushable reds, the stuff like that. If um, I'll use this as an example to roll into the point, let's say you're drinking wine for the first time and you're sitting down with somebody who has a you know fifteen hundred bottle cellar that's temperature controlled and has all this you know. Rare Burgundy and all this stuff, and you sit down with them for your first time tasting wine, and they talk to you about all the details. And that I went to this place and you did this, and it's, you know, all these things. That person's almost definitely not going to want to drink wine after that, because it's so isolating. It's how can you how can you drink anything else? Because I have now I know all this stuff, and you do all this, and it's intimidating and it's not approachable. Um, from beer, the people who will. You know, wait in lines and pay 5X of of MSRP for bottles of, you know, giant adjunct stouts. Um, You know, $20 bottles that people are paying $120, $150, $200 for. People are
3: doing that?
0: Oh, from stuff in our area. <laughs> oh, 100%, yes. So people all over the country buy more talus stouts. There are people who buy bottles only to resell them across the country because wow. they can get 5, 6, 7, 8, 10X Retail for those bottles.
3: Geez, I knew people were lining up, but I, I did not know about this resale market.
2: Oh, well, it's huge in, in whiskey as well. And uh, I actually wrote an article a few years ago for Artisan Spirit Magazine about... Shout out um, Brian Christensen. Brian Christensen, great guy. I've actually got to give him a call, uh, probably on my way home. I've got to write some more stuff for him. But I wrote an article about how bourbon is beat for beat, rhyming with... early 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 to mid nineties beanie babies where yeah people are chasing trucks people are you know the whole pappy gate stealing and reselling uh and just purchasing and reselling for far more than the uh the shelf value and it's really um exhausting is the word i'll say it's draining to uh be at the center of it all the time but well
0: it's a thing it's very much a thing okay absolutely well and to so i just to set up Matt for for his side of this because we all so um, we talked about the the retail price for some of this for the beer that might be 20 to 25 dollars bottles for uh, a 750 ounce thing of a stout um so many bottles and you might have heard of some of them like George mentioned Pappy van Winkle great example MSRP on that bottle is what 99 dollars now it uh, depends on which one but yeah there's let's between- say the regular one is 80 to 80 to a hundred dollars.
2: Uh, I'd say yeah, eighty to 100. something like that. Most expensive one is a what three hundred, right. at
0: Most so their their fair retail price. Their baseline product is a ten year product. It is a quality bourbon. It's delicious at MSRP. It is a very nice buy. Um, that eighty or a hundred dollar bottle will sell on the secondary market for eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. Um and um, so this is where I wanted to bring that in. So. When releases happen every year, um, every store that is independent or otherwise will be driven insane by the demand for these products because, as George mentioned, people are tracking when trucks arrive. If they're not allocated where you have to be on the list where you get into auctions and other things, um, places like Parkway put it on the shelf and they sell it. Uh, so people are God tracking. Bless you, sir. <laughs> yeah. People are tracking when trucks show up so they know when to show up in case it's happening that day and they'll be there waiting for trucks to show up.
2: And to think we used to post things online. That was a terrible decision. The phone, <laughs> when three bottles of something come in, because it's not just Bappy Van Winkle, it's things that get released throughout the year, uh, every month of the year. And when you post those online and you have three bottles, even when you say sold out on the post, you'll be getting calls for three days, nonstop, Straight. and you hear the phone ringing in your sleep. And I can hear it in my head right now and I want to cry a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So
1: at pinnacle we've, we've like many stores we've experimented with different ways to handle this. And you know, number one, I should say it, it is amazing to have interest in a category like no this no doubt. and to see what's happened in, in bourbon is just, it's breathtaking, but it, it has come at a cost and what, You know Buffalo Trace makes a great product, but oh my God, what they've done to our sanity is just—it's crazy. So what what we've done the last year and a half, I'd say at Pinnacle is we actually now have a a text list that you can join, and we do our releases Saturday mornings. And I'm getting close to rethinking that because oversells happen on our website. Um, People try to order more than one bottle. People game the system. They they have their buddies you know, collude to buy bottles and this week I know there's four guys I have to kick off this list and it's going to be a tough conversation, but yeah. um, it uh, it's it's great because it has built this category, but what I do worry about is that this is crowding out a whole group of people who maybe have a passing interest in bourbon, but they, they think that, well, if I can't get, if I can't get Buffalo Trace or blends, I shouldn't bother drinking bourbon at all which really worries me because there's so much stuff. And I know with George right now, we're going to have a therapy session about this, but <laughs> we are, yeah. <laughs> Microphones
2: off. And we're just going to hold each other and cry. Yeah, you exactly. Know. Absolutely.
1: It, we, we have so much good bourbon that is on the shelves. A lot of locally produced bourbon that is incredibly good. And selling that, I mean, you feel like you're a missionary out there trying to, trying to spread the good word because they, all they want, is is Buffalo Trace. And and I shouldn't say it like that. There are a lot of sophisticated, great, everyday people that, that come in and support other bourbons. But the the phenomena, the Bourbon Bro phenomena is very real. And I, I really don't know the way out. George, maybe you have some ideas.
2: I think, unfortunately, there's no right answer. And uh, no matter what we do, it's going to be a thorn in our side. And we're going to hurt some feelings and make some people very upset. and. Unfortunately, that's just how it's got to be, and uh, I don't foresee um, supply meeting demand anytime soon, and uh, just hope more and more people become more open-minded to try other things in the meantime, because yes, it's great to get Buffalo Trace, it's great to get Blanton's, all those other things, but since they're not around all the time, there are really great things that perform the same, or even better, that are around all the time from other large producers and some really great small producers and New York state producers.
1: So, so we could take this time to offer some tips, maybe to oh, bourbon bros.
0: I love this. Cause I think so part, part of why we're part of why we're bringing this up and I can see Colleen's delighted on the other side. Cause this is, this might be, is this all new? Have you heard about a lot of this stuff before?
3: Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super into bourbon. I'm, I'm, I love whiskey. I'm specifically more into Japanese whiskeys.
2: Love that. Um, Wonderful. I I'm, you can't see it, but we're high fiving. Yes, maybe you heard it.
3: Um, yes, we got so, it. So no, but in, enlighten me about the bourbon world.
0: So the first, so the first thing I want to say is the reason why I brought it up is because I think this is a huge. This whole thing is a huge negative to getting people into and truly enjoying this stuff. You're right. When people see this and they can't get it, they're like, "I why Why bother? Why do this?" And this is the part where I think it's everybody's responsibility who loves the industry to give back and tell people about what to get. Um, So I'll start with Matt. So what are the things right now that you're telling people to try that, you know, if they're not just hunting for allocated stuff or they're willing to try, what are the things that you're pushing people towards right now?
1: So there are so many bourbons that I love Um, from, from Kentucky. I love wilderness trail from New York State, from the Finger Lakes, I love McKenzie. I I could literally sit here and tell you, I could talk ad nauseum about it, but my advice would be to those folks who want to access these limited bourbons, the the number one tip, and this goes for wine as well, if you wanna learn about wine or spirits or any alcoholic beverage, get to know your merchant, find a wine or liquor merchant that you jive with, that you like, that you get along with, and start a relationship. This is not, this is not easy by any means, but get to know them, ask them for recommendations. They're going to show you some really cool stuff. And by getting to know them, by chatting and by them recognizing your face, guess what? You're going to, over time, you're going to start to get the the early tips on when stuff releases. But you know what the funny thing is? By the time those things come to your your desk as a consumer, you're not even going to be really care about them because you're going to have discovered such better stuff. And that's, that's my experience with customers. And I give credit to so many folks who have done that, but I am still shocked that so many folks jump from store to store trying to get lucky, follow trucks. And then on top of it, they get mad and they they get angry. Hot tip guys, getting angry and yelling and (laughs) crying at your, at your wine and liquor store, part-time worker really these are often our our part-time staff members who they don't control the stuff they're getting yelled at on the phone and that's that's not cool so it's crazy just be kind ask for advice build a relationship and you'll be amazed by how far you go
0: absolutely
2: i would i agree with every bit of that uh the one thing to add to that though is don't just build a relationship um spend money at the store too you can't just show up and share samples in your little vials and (laughs) Uh, If you want special treatment, treat people special, you know, Uh, help us, you know, keep our lights on, buy some wine too. Yes. Like like we said earlier, there's more money in wine. If you buy your wine regularly, you are going to be more well liked. Even if we don't consciously uh, make note of that, it it sticks. But uh, going back to the rudeness, I'm not going to share part of town or store anything, but uh, a store owner that I communicate with here and there... uh, was threatened by a customer who wanted blantons and didn't get it that he was going to shoot him. Huh. And police had to get involved in everything. It is great. Truly insane. Truly insane. Don't it's, do that. No. Don't don't threaten violence or yell or just be nice.
0: Yeah. You know, take now yell. Now now know. we now we have a shocked to. Uh, Winemaker and owner across the table from us. <laughs> Poor
2: Just Colleen. be nice,
3: people. Come yeah, on. yeah, you
2: got you got to stick to wine. Stay out of the spirits. It's
0: terrible. I was gonna say like this. You you could see the complete lack of shock on my face <laughs> because I know what the consumers are thinking. I've been on the groups and things. Um, but I think what I want to leave that discussion with is yes, some of those things are amazing. But what I'll say when it comes to spirits, when it comes to wine, taste. Taste great things, talk to your friends that have things. For those of us that are passionate about this stuff, if you want to taste anything, my cabinet's open. I've been shared astonishing things from people who have amazing collections. And for all of us that have tasted those amazing, amazing things, giving back and sharing to people and educating and making them better consumers is our responsibility. And for all of you who are listening that have, that's our that's our job to get people excited and when people say oh, I don't like Finger Lakes wines, that's our job. Come to job. Living
3: Roots; I'll change your mind.
0: Exactly. Go to Living Roots. Give them an itinerary to visit and experience and learn about where we are. Support our local stores. Go in and taste at you know taste at Parkway. Going on a Friday night and taste it is the best one of the best experiences in Rochester. Going into Parkway and tasting wine on a Friday night.
2: I don't actually work Friday nights, but I I come in. Uh, I recently bought a house in the area, so I'm closer to work. So. I come in for my own uh, things I forgot for myself on Thursdays, which is my Friday, and it's uh, it's a time. It like, is. Matt has uh, a lot of fun, and it's always see, a good time.
0: Man, to see if everybody eaten out of his hand, he's so passionate and <laughs> so good at what he does. Everybody of all the different levels, he's engaging. It's one of the best tasting experiences in Rochester.
2: Like I said, we're making more wine
0: drinkers from people who drink wine, and it's, it's great. So much fun. So... Do your part, tell people about what's amazing around you, taste, find out what you really enjoy, go spend your money in ways that you can justify. Um, let's just throw out the plugs and again, where you can find everything, Matt.
1: Uh, so, sorry, we plug in uh, yeah. savenywine.com. Absolutely. So we, we're we building the website out right now. We haven't done that yet, but um, we will link up the uh, petition we have going in the show notes and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a move on. Dot org, uh, campaign we're running. And that's right now where we're, where we're trying to activate. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll link up the, the petition and we'd really appreciate a signature on that. And more importantly, we'd, we'd really appreciate you contacting your legislators, finding out who, who your New York Senator is, who your assembly member is, writing a letter, making a phone call, letting them know how important independent wine shops are to you.
0: Absolutely. And go visit them in person. Go visit Pinnacle at?
1: Yep. Uh, We're at 1720 Monroe Avenue in Rochester, uh, right in Brighton at 12 Corners.
0: Awesome. Going?
3: All right. Well, uh, visit us at Living Roots, either 1255 University Ave in Rochester or starting Friday. 8560 County Road 87 in Hammondsport. Man, I really struggled with that one for a minute. It's a new <laughs> I, I I'm not used to sharing that address with anyone. Um and then yeah, Instagram, we always post, you know, new releases or happenings.
0: Yeah, fun events over there happening all the time at Living Roots. Yeah, it's
3: wine education. So yeah.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah, I saw some of that. It's very exciting stuff. Um and George. You can find me over at Parkway Discount
2: Wine Liquor in Greece, 4424 Dewey Avenue. Uh on
0: by sounds good uh everyone thanks so much for coming over and sharing about this timely and uh, fascinating topic and uh you can find me at stromey on twitter instagram food about town everywhere else nominate meals go to nominate to order your meal for an upcoming event get a meal for two for forty dollars you get to support small minority-owned restaurants here in rochester directly and you get to have an amazing time so go to nominate and order your meal today thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time with the food about town podcast this has been a presentation of the luncheon podcast network